Hello and welcome to The A-List, the podcast that asks the world's top advertising professionals how they got started in the business. I'm Tom Chrisman, Chief Creative Officer at DeMassimo Goldstein, an inspiring action agency in New York City. And today, I get to talk to Jason Musante, Chief Creative Officer at Huge. We talk about going to West Point and not loving it, and then getting into advertising. We talk about Kirschenbaum Bond and Partners, where we both were for a time. We talk about Saatchi. We got. We talk about working for Jerry Graff. And I love his philosophy of always stay curious, hungry, and humble. I think you're going to really like this episode. But first, the A-List is brought to you by Ad House Advertising School. Advertising Age called Ad House New York's newest, smallest, and arguably hippest ad school. Their philosophy, an ad class is only as relevant as a professional who teaches it. Ad House classes are taught by the best in the biz in the agencies where they work. You get 10 weeks of classes for just 600 bucks. To apply, go to adhousenyc.com. And for the latest news, follow AdHouseNYC on Facebook. And here it is, Jason Musante. Thanks for coming in, Jason. Hey, thanks for asking me. I'm a big fan of the podcast and uh, honored to be uh, in the company of some of the others that I've listened to. So hopefully I can measure up. Uh, we met at Co-Collective, I think. That was when I first met you, maybe? Or Kirschman. Oh, was it Kirschman? Oh, Tom. What, how long ago was that? When, Let's get what that happened? ginkgo biloba. We got to up that ginkgo biloba dose. I'm very old. Yeah, it was Kirschenbaum. Uh, we met at Kirschenbaum yeah. when I was new to New York. Yeah. My first gig. Was, wow. My first gig oh my at God. a portfolio center. So that'll be in the, in the pod. We'll probably talk about that. Let's let, we'll get But there. where were you born? Where did you grow up? So uh, my friends kid me because anytime I'm asked that, I always say, well, I was born in North Carolina, but my family's from New York. Mm. And people say, just tell them you're born from in North Carolina. And right. the reason I say that is inevitably the next question is, well, you don't have an accent and you mm-hmm. don't seem like you're from the South. And so I like to just cut to the chase. And uh, I actually, I've always actually felt more like a New Yorker. In fact, yeah. after coming out of Portfolio Center, I had an opportunity to go to Ground Zero, if you uh-huh. remember that agency I do, yeah. in L.A., mm-hmm. or Kirschenbaum. Right. And I always had the vision and dream of being an art director in New York City. New yeah. York City. Dun, dun, dun. And so uh, that's why I made, I made the choice. My Both my mother and father grew up in the city, and uh, oh. I've just always why felt were they, like this is home. Why were they there in, in, in North Carolina? My father is a psychologist, uh, and he had a, he finished school at Duke. Okay. Um, and then uh, my mother joined him and got her education degree, and they were they kind of got to North Carolina, and then said, "Why would we ever go back to New York?" You got to remember this is like the seventies, right? So yeah. New York was not the lush, no, beautiful, safe uh, place it is now. It was like uh, watch the movie Taxi Driver. That's what New York was like. Yeah, the or, or uh, the Warriors, right? Or so the Outsiders was, was the name of that movie. So what what town was that that you lived in? In, in North I lived Carolina? in Durham, North Carolina, which okay. was right down the street from Duke. So I grew up with Northerners. I grew up right. with uh, in a in a sort of college town in a college town um, where everyone was a doctor, or a lawyer, or a business person. And is that what, what when you first had the inkling of like I'm going to do something when I grow up? Was that what you were going to do? Like become a psychiatrist? That's what everybody or did. I, yeah. I think my inkling was I'm going to go uh, be a lawyer, get my MBA. Or right. uh, the funny thing is, my older brother's a doctor, my younger brother's a lawyer, and I ended up somewhere in the middle. Right. 
black sheep of the family. Yeah. And when did that start? Were you were you always an artist, like doing making things and doing things? You like to make models. I know that. Yeah. Was that a thing that you did when you were a kid? You know, these are the things oftentimes um, <laughs> you look back and you kind of start seeing these examples of, yeah, I was always drawing. I was always, My work was kind of always shown at the art fairs. And right. teachers were always kind of saying, you know, you got some talent, creative talent. It's sometimes hard when you come from a family that focuses maybe on more of an academic pursuit to kind of say, well, you know, that's a valid that's a valid uh, career choice. Though once I think my parents realized that that was going to be the thing I was going to do, they got really behind me. I think, when you know— When did that start happening when you were— uh, When did I start realizing high? I wasn't like everyone else? Yeah, yeah. It— I mean, I have photos of me standing next to work when I was five, right? Right, right. And always just getting in there with the clay and mm -hmm. making Legos and doing all the things that I think we all kind of, hopefully people out there are nodding their heads like, yeah, I remember doing that myself as a creative yeah. person. Everybody everybody does that when they're kid. Everybody's creative when they're a kid. Right. And then we kind of grow up in this world where that isn't often uh, something that people pursue or that's not considered something that. You know, that's something you do as a hobby. Right. Do you think that's changing with younger generations now that you can make so much stuff on your phone on your way to uh, the soccer match? You could, like, make a full movie and send it out to Vimeo and, like, all those things. Definitely. I think social media and technology have leveled the playing field. I think the barrier to entry to be and explore creativity and to be a creative person isn't what it might have been when we were maybe coming up. Yeah, because you, you know? had to get schooling and you had to learn to paint or you and then what are you going to what job are you going to do as a as an artist? Like you're not going to make any money. You're going to be a starving artist. But. Right, it was always a starving artist. In fact, I had I'd thought about becoming an artist, a you know, a fine artist. Yeah. And kind of, you know, um, exploring what it might mean to do that as a career. But there's always this little one side of me, having grown up in a family, my parents owned their own business, and my family was very entrepreneurial of, mm. you know, that slice of uh, commerce. So mm. I always had a, a the commerce side to the art and commerce. So right. I, the draw to become purely creative was never was never able to overcome the desire to use that creativity in the pursuit of solving business challenges. I was that naive. I kind of thought, you know, there's a lot of things we can solve that are, you know, business challenges with creativity. And then I started to kind of explore marketing, advertising, and realized, oh, right, there are people that do that. My father had a, a friend who owned uh, – kind of a quasi-famous agency in North Carolina. Uh -huh. And um, I remember he took me in and I walked in. I saw the punching bag, uh, the, the people playing music. Point? I think I was 16, yeah. seven, 16, you know. That's and a common thing. Like the, the family age, member right? who knows somebody at an agency, you go in, you see it, and it's like, what? This is a thing? And, and I, you know, that's true. I've had talks with other people who kind of go, there are other people like me. Yeah, yeah. I'm not alone. Right. And what was it? What was the agency called? The the North Carolina agency? You know, uh, Rob Baird worked there. Rob Baird. Okay. And so, you know, Rob is leading preacher now. Uh -huh. uh, it, the name is escaping me. 
right. uh, maybe you could drop it in. But um, it was it was did lovely work. Really, kind of it was McKinney and Silver and 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 that agency. Okay, those were the two shops in North Carolina that were making noise. Yeah, do you, you know David Baldwin, right? You, I'm very close with David Baldwin. I consider him a mentor and a friend. Okay, um, we're still in touch. He he has he's a, been on the show. Yep, yeah, he's awesome. He has a a, a shop in Raleigh, North Carolina, mm-hmm. as well as his own beer line and a and part partner at Ponysaurus, which is based. Mm-hmm. He has a brewery in Durham. I have some of it downstairs in my office. Delicious. He sent it to me. I won't drink it because it's you know. No, save it. Somebody stole the actual Ponysaurus, but I still have the nice guy brewing or whatever that thing right, is. Don't, a, be a, mean. don't be mean. Yeah. Uh, ale. I'm That's not going right. to drink that. I'm going to keep that. Keep that in perpetuity. I think someday that'll be- Till the zombie be, apocalypse. It'll be worth something. Uh, so you're in North Carolina. Did you go to high school there? And then- I went to high school there. Uh, and then what What happened with college? What, do you, what was your- Were you like, I'm going to go to whole art school? Pod, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> uh, you know, I went to uh, West Point. United States Military Academy. How did I not know that? I know, I know that's this? like a that's a right turn at Albuquerque. Yeah, it's been a couple of those though. You know, in, it's in funny. I I don't really. Why did you do that? I this is probably the only time I've been that open about that chapter in my mm-hmm. life. Not that I have anything to be ashamed of, but it it just makes people kind of go like, "What was that all about?" And then we get into this deep dive on. Um, I loved it. You know, I loved history. Mm-hmm. I was senior class president. All the I was editor of the paper. I wanted. I thought I wanted to go get my MBA. I hadn't still maybe broken the shackles of of kind of parental expectation. Mm. I got in. Who doesn't go when they right. get in? Yeah. Um, but I quickly realized after a couple of years at West Point that that wasn't for me. Uh, moved on to the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, and then on to Portfolio Center in Atlanta. Uh-huh. I kind of said, you know, after that experience of two years of West Point, which were an ama- amazing experience, I learned so much, made a lot of friends. That you know, it's time to go and really chase down my passions. And and you know, this brings me back to like when I listen to podcasts, and I'm always kind of, or things and hear people talk. I'm always mm. kind of looking for something that. I can take away from it. And yeah. the one thing I would leave, you know, little – drop little jewels if I could. And one mm-hmm. thing I would say is find that thing that you're good at, yeah. that you're passionate about, yeah. and then just be brave enough to do it. Right. I know that's not, you know – So what was that thing for you? Creativity, being yeah. creative in the right. pursuit of solving, you know, business challenges. And uh-huh. I would tell people it doesn't matter what it is. The world has become more and more competitive. Mm. Find that one thing that you are good at and you love and go do it and you will be more successful, yeah. more happy than doing the thing you're supposed to do. Right. All right. There you go. That's right. a little bit of wisdom. <laughs> That's one jewel. That's one. More. Are we marking it you down? You got Keep, more. Yeah, got we wrote that down. Pocket. I think we've got it. Yeah, Casey's getting that and getting it all down. All right. Um, the book will be out in uh, <laughs> in September. Uh, you can read for me. The uh, so at at University of North Carolina, you've switched schools now. You're back home, I guess, or no? You're well, I was a there. history buff, and I said, you know, maybe I need to go explore the things that I love to do. I love history. Yeah. Uh, you know, I took 
advanced level classes. I pushed myself there. I thought maybe I'd be a teacher. But the funny thing is, it can't you can't escape it. I took a couple of art classes. Yeah. And then I just kept feeling the pull. And it was this thing. And yeah. what is it about history that you love? Because I feel like history, I also love history. I also love reading about history. What What's useful in history to advertising? Or how can you use that? In- right. It's a really good question. I've thought a bit about it myself. And what I've discovered is that The stories that are told in history are the stories we can re-employ as storytellers. Right. You know, there are only like six stories. Right. Um, And history repeats itself. And when you understand the story of this experience or that, it it helps you understand how to then tell that story. Mm -hmm. So – I'm just fascinated by the people. And the other the other thing is I'm again grew up in an entrepreneurial family, so a bit of an entrepreneurial entrepreneur at heart. I like joining organizations where I feel like I can make an impact beyond just sitting at a desk and being a creative. Mm-hmm. So building or rebuilding or you know, we were speaking about Thai mm-hmm. uh, as I Thai Montague as I as I sat down. You know, I joined Co Collective um and helped him and 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 Rose and the team build. So the the power of one person or a team of people to impact and make a difference I find fascinating. And then if you can tell the story of something in history and make people stay uh, tuned in and paying attention and, mm-hmm. and craft that that ability, yeah. it, that you know that really helps in everything you do, presentations and presenting your own work, and in and in you know being able to come up with some of the stories yourself. Yeah. And that's, I guess that's why we we do this podcast to sort of tell the stories and the history of the people who do this job, um, who do creativity and advertising and, and show that there's lots of ways to get into it. Mostly, most people kind of fall into it, I found. Um, but I think history shows you possibility of um, how other people did things. So how... Um, some, you know, how Abraham Lincoln thought of nation- nationalism and how, like, how people thought of things in the past so that you can say, oh, maybe I should think about it like that and, and try on different things. And that's why we do this show because it's kind of a it's kind of a little history of, of like, people like us. Yeah, I think it's great. I mean, this didn't exist when we were getting in, right? No, yeah. So yeah, where yeah. did you turn? And to your point, hopefully you had that one person who – kind of, right. you know, clued you in that there was this whole world of of uh, wild-eyed creative misfits who had this idea that that they uh, were going to go be creative. I mean, I, I think I've held that through my entire career, you know, focusing on the thing that you're good at and yeah. really leaning into it and then kind of always staying wild-eyed and, and always pushing and asking why and, and, you know, finding new ways to do things. And um, I find that you know, un, to your point about history, uncovering how people did things and why they did them and then applying those things to yourself. And I've always kind of applied that throughout, you know, my years in this business. Um, Where uh, where'd you want to work when you got so, – so you got uh, out of UNC and you went yep. to uh, – So I got out of UNC and then the pull of business was back, right? right. So I was dabbling with MBA. Uh-huh. You know, do I take the GMAT? Do I go to MBA? To be a marketing executive or what were you thinking? Uh, I thought at that point I was going to be kind of a business entrepreneur. But again, that wasn't like the thing it is today. Yeah. 
you know, it's cool to be an entrepreneur. People like, yeah. you know, Gary Vee and all these right. people who start up their own things and drive and yeah. post. It's, it's, you know, we watch Silicon Valley. Yeah. There's this whole zeitgeist around it. But I mean, this Making is your own thing. This is what, 2000s? Yeah. No one knew what entrepreneurialism right. was beyond Fortune magazine or maybe Harvard Business School. Right. Um, but then again, I, 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 I realized that, uh, you know, the funny thing is, I was studying for the GMAT. I was studying and I was doing some work with uh, Keenan Flagler, which is UNC's business school. Mm -hmm. And then I visited my brother in Washington, D.C. And as, as so interesting as luck would have it, I was like, D.C. is a pretty cool place. Yeah. Uh, and I was flipping through, looking online, and I saw an alumnus of uh, – of, of, um, or um, – UNC had this job at McCann okay. um, in D.C., and they were servicing the U.S. Airways account. Okay. And I reached out, and she said, yeah, come on in. I'll tell you all about it. Okay. So the pull of, you know, we can't escape, I think. You know, history, is, I think, is proof sometimes that you really, can you escape your destiny? Can right. you escape your, your fate? fate? Um, and I got hooked up with an internship or a, a job paying gig and at at McCann in DC working on uh the US Airways account. Were you were you an account person? What were you doing? No, I was um like I don't even know what the title would be. I was I wrote, I did some art direction, right. I helped them, I helped the creative director. Did you have to show a portfolio? Did you have a portfolio? I didn't have UNC? a portfolio. So you were just like I was like young and hungry and I had some work from Carolina, North Carolina, I showed mm -hmm. and uh, some graphic design, some graphic stuff. design work. And they were like, cool, you want to come and hang out? <laughs> and the cool thing there is the CD at the shop was a portfolio center grad. Okay. And at the end of that, the managing director said, hey, would you like a job here? Yeah. And the CD pulled me aside. He said, don't take a job here. Go to portfolio center. Yeah. You know, um, VCU, there weren't in Miami. I think Creative Circus might have been around. Yeah, but uh, Portfolio Center was kind of where you went if you wanted to be more art direction design. And right, those of you PC grads remember Sylvia Gaffney, uh, and she was a bit of a legend. And that's where I went. And off of this guy's uh, recommendation, yeah. like you should do this, and you're like, okay, I can do that. So you I moved can do to that. Atlanta. That sounds cool. Put you know had to put together a little bit of a book to get in to get in and. It was funny because when I showed my book, again, uh, I'll reveal this. I don't know. He said, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have some trouble here. <laughs> at, at Portfolio, Portfolio Center. Center. Yeah. What, what is the trouble? I, I kind of was like, what do you mean? And he said, you don't really have like an ad book. What was it? Like a graphic design it book? It was just this book of weird thoughts. Right. <laughs> That's what I'll call them, just weird musings and weird connections and weird ways of looking at things. And what, what, can you describe one of them? Like, um, You know, uh, I had – this is like you look back at it and you think it's kind of lame, but I had like right. a coat tag. You used to – you know when you coat check your coat? Right. And it was um, – it, it was said like um, – the, the numbers spelled out like – rad or cool or something or yeah. 69. I can't even remember some right. sexual innuendo. Right. And I was like, that's an ad for, you know, a fashion brand. <laughs> like, 
He was like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, what? What, what? So yes. a lot of things like that. Right. So that should give anyone who's listening to this who's kind of like, I don't know, hope. I think the thing <laughs> to take from that was, again, you got to focus on, I think, not doing it like everybody else and yeah. being an individual. I think sometimes this industry— And not worrying about conforming And so not much. worrying about conforming. For those of us— for those who don't do it, it's like, of course. But I think this industry has a way of pushing everyone to the center. Mm-hmm. Be a television writer. Yeah. Be a be a this. Be a that. That's yeah. valuable. Right. Instead of saying, what do you do? What do you do well? Go do that. Right. That's what I was drawn to my first gig out of Portfolio Center, Kirschenbaum. Richard and, and John had written the book Gorilla, about guerrilla advertising. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And this idea that you could stencil on concrete. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. a underwear brand, or right. you could have the Snapple Stickers. lady, yeah. or you could do all of the really cool things that they were doing back then. Yeah. Way, they were like way beyond, way ahead of the curve, as yeah. you know, having worked there. Yeah. And that's what drew me to Kirschenbaum. So that's when you got out of uh, Portfolio, where you, when you were finishing up at Portfolio Center, obviously you got to think about where do I want to work? Right. Did you get internships in the middle there? Were there I did, and I went straight through. Okay. And then I started showing my book. And, uh, and where did you want to work? What was the what were the hot shops that you were like, I gotta if I could get there, that would be amazing. Um, you know, a lot of them are still the ones that they are today. Mm-hmm. I think though that what I was drawn to were the people who, and this is another little little jewel. I think you got you're working for people, not for places. Right. Don't ever make that mistake. Yep. You got to find someone you click with and work with that person. Mm. I was really drawn to like Richard uh, R- Richard Kirschenbaum's view on things. Mm-hmm. Of course, he, you know, as he started moving a little more away from the day to day, but you work for the person yeah. and you always learn so much more. Right. So I was dr- very drawn to, um, you know, People that I met or people that I saw or work that I had seen and the individuals, the individuals themselves. So having worked at Kirschenbaum and then my next gig out of was with David Baldwin mm-hmm. and, at McKinney. At McKinney. And right. I was drawn to him and to his work. Yeah. So I wanted to work for him. Yeah. Um, and – and. Uh, what was the – what was your experience with, with uh, Kirschenbaum? So you, you said you could have gone to – uh, so I kind of gone to Amster Yard and and, and Yard. 180 and uh, Black Rocket, uh, or, uh, Black Rocket and yeah. and um, and Ground Zero and uh-huh. some of the other Ground places, Zero, right, right, right. Uh, which were all, as I realized, you kind of were little leading edge. We're doing interesting things. We're a little more design focused, a little more directionally focused, mm-hmm. maybe than the writing. You know, of course, I would send my book to the Wyden and Kennedys and the mm-hmm. Cliff Freemans, which, right. but, you know, I wasn't getting a call back from them. Right. And realizing, okay, I'm not a writer and my book is more visually based. Right. Uh, again, don't beat yourself up for, oh, I didn't get into Wyden. Right. You know, go and focus on the places that do want you and the people that do see something in you, you know, David Bald, coming back to David Baldwin, seeing something in me, seeing that I just didn't think like everyone thought Mm -hmm. while challenging. That's what leads, I think, to being happier and leads to the work you want to do. Yeah. 
What were some of your first? Uh, what was your interview process like at, at uh, Kirshenbaum? Like, what was what was that back in the day? Wow, uh, you know, um, I sent my book in. and I made it right. Spray Mountain cut. And yeah, bound it all like like you do, like you did back then. Believe it or not. Uh-huh. And then uh, the creative recruiter, uh, Trisha, Trisha, yeah, gave right. me a call and and said, "Hey, we, we I really like your book." Um, it's, you know, it's really weird and different. And I said, oh, thank you. I'd like to show it to Richard Kirschenbaum. I said, whoa, you know, would you like to come up to New York? Um, I said, yeah, I would be open to that. Mm-hmm. So then she called me and, uh, or maybe emailed me and said, hey, Richard likes your work. Why don't you come up and meet him? And, you know, to a person right out of school, Richard Kirschenbaum, that was a big deal. Yeah, yeah. And I tell the story. I remember I walked into his office and I remember people saying, well, don't go and sit on his white leather couch. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember that white leather couch. Yeah. And he said, hey, nice to meet you. Come on over. Let's sit on the couch. And I was like, oh, I'm in. I'm sitting on the I'm white I'm sitting couch. on the white leather couch. And yeah. he, he just looked through my book. He, he, was, he was critical of it, gave yeah. me some advice and said, I really like it. Would you like to work here? And that was an amazing moment, right? Yeah. Um, Did you have a plan going into that interview? Like, no. what, you just were like, "I'm going to meet this guy. I'm going to I'm going to meet this person." And, were you hoping? And yeah, I was really digging. I had met some of the people. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and I think your first job is all about learning how to be in advertising, not necessarily doing advertising. I think right. there are some of those of us who get, are those which. I wouldn't say I necessarily was, got lucky and have that breakout hit. Right. I would recommend your first gig, just learn and learn the rules of the road, learn about politics, learn about the things, learn about getting to know your CDs, learning about who your clients are, learning about how to present all the, go to, you know, the nuts and bolts about working in the industry. There's plenty of time to kind of have the breakout hit. Yeah. And um, really take the time to learn about the, how an how an agency functions yeah what your role within that micro that 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 ecosystem is yeah and then um do something that i didn't do which is just shut the hell up and <laughs> learn and watch what what when you say you didn't do that what what were you doing i was you were trying to be very uh, vocal about what i thought was right and what i thought was wrong right and you you were talking to people who have Grand Prix and yeah. and gold lions and pencils and who have fifteen twenty years in the business and <laughs> it's like who are you sit down over there and, yeah it's and, always very funny because it's like you know that that's what it is when you see like a young you probably see this now right like as somebody coming right out of school and they're they're gung ho and they're all and it's I, I like that they have the the um, confidence to speak up and let their voices heard but yeah it's uh <laughs> i like to so try I, when i find those people doing that i i immediately try to get with them and funnel that energy because yeah. you know it's it's interesting when i get feedback or when i'm hiring someone i always try to put myself in the shoes of remembering what it felt like to be that person who felt unheard or my idea didn't got short shrift and yeah. and to kind of go look uh, it's not your idea. It's anymore. not you. Yeah. Or <laughs> I didn't get to work on it or I didn't get to go on the shoot and yeah, yeah. guide those people and help them learn. There'll be plenty of time for that. When that, you, when you yeah. are going on all the shoots, you're not going to want to go on them anymore. <laughs> well, that's exactly right. Like <laughs> yeah. now the, my ECDs and I'm like, 
I'm here if you need me. Enjoy. Have fun at the Viceroy. Right. Yeah. Um, you kind of you want to focus on other things. You know, like I said, I enjoy building and, and building teams and and helping people to not do maybe the, some of the mistakes I made mm-hmm. and also to try to really, you know, we're in a really interesting time right now in the industry. And I think nurture those people who have vision about what we, where we could be going yeah. and um, be, be one of the people who are excited about where we're going instead yeah. of naysaying about yeah, yeah. where we're going. Yeah. You know, that's again been. What excites you about where we're going right now? Uh, what excites, well, you're at, you're at huge now. You're you're uh, yeah. I'm chief creative officer at huge, and you know we're uh, we're a very interesting organization, and we're focused on experiential design, and we like to think of uh, you know what the future of retail is looking like. We like to think about what the future of product and platform look like. Utility. Uh, how does comms and communication and and narrative and storytelling weave through? We break those into kind of three pillars. We call places, spaces. Uh, product platforms and comms and communication, campaign and communications. Mm-hmm. What I'm so excited about this industry, uh, it, it, what's going on in the industry is I thought this was going to happen 10 years ago. Right. I, I was, you know, I thought when Facebook and the internet happened, it was going to be a much more rapid evolution. You know, uh, I saw something on my Xbox. Uh, I have Hulu Live as my TV. Right. Uh, and I saw an interactive ad for like Petco or something, and it was fully like you could see you could it was it was pretty it's pretty lame, but you can scroll through the local Petcos on right. the bottom with your and it has a little remote there, so it shows you that you can you can play with it. And that's the kind of thing that they were talking about at Ogilvy Direct, my first job in 1993, right? When they were like, "This is going to happen right. in the next five years. We're going to like it took." What, 25 years, yep. 26 years for that to actually happen? And, and it's lame once it happens. It's like, nah, it's actually not good. Well, you know, I think that— Things go a lot slower than you think but they're going to the, Yes, they do. And, 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 you know, sometimes, you know, I love the saying, if you're too early, it's, you might as well have been late. But I think that we're, we're creative people, right? And we're in the business of pushing and breaking rules and seeing how not in new ways to do things. So— I know this might not be a popular position, but I think we should be very excited about where things are going. Mm -hmm. Again, you know, we're in the business of art and art and commerce and Mm -hmm. telling stories through different formats, channels, media, technologies. That's really that's really I find that really exciting. Don't get me wrong. Like I was never a TV writer. I was never a TV art director. Mm-hmm. I was always like, I tell the story, my first big break was at McKinney and Silver. Mm-hmm. The Art of the Heist. Art of the Heist, mm-hmm. uh, which was like the first main, real mainstream, non-traditional car launch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Audi took a real chance on it and David took a real chance on it. Jonathan Coode, who's now the CCO of McKinney, uh, no, you know, um, took a real chance on it. But everyone in the office kind of like, rushed over to the TV brief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I kind of said, but wait, it's a highly advanced, technologically advanced car. We're, we're, we're marketing it to this, you know, plugged in. Uber did, hip. Did yeah. Uber hip, digitally connected even back then, um, you know, uh, leading edge, leading edge, technorati, digerati crew. 
They're not watching TV. They're uh, not. Uh, they're, there was already blogs. There was already the influence of Internet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Facebook had not was still a .edu, but you saw it coming. And I just, you know, of course, it wasn't just me. It was a great team yeah. uh, uh, that did it with me. But I think as a crew, we saw and I saw that there was other ways to connect. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you the first time that a first piece of that campaign, which was basically about um, an art thief had stolen an Audi to use in art heists because – I had actually seen a story uh, a month before about how the most popular car in Europe for art heist is an Audi. Um, it's actually an Audi station wagon because the right. back is so spacious and it yeah. also it can outrun the police cars, which oh. I thought was like this little nugget of truth in there. Yeah. Um, That's interesting. And when we launched it and the instant hits, the instant feedback from our our the community. Yeah. And from our target and our, our, our consumers, that was an address. Those were like little dopamine hits yeah. of like, this is connecting. This is our job. Mm -hmm. Our job is to connect with people. Yeah. And that I was hooked and I, and I um, felt like I'm just going to make my way in this industry by Building, creating, and imagining the things that I think are the right things to do. And if those things are in line with what the, you know, popular thing to do is or they're not, again, back to I was good at it. I was passionate about it. I focused on it and it set me apart. I was never going to be, um, you know, Jerry. I was never going to beat Jerry Graff mm -hmm. with a 30-second spot. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I can go to head to head with a lot of people on the integration of story and technology and non-traditional thinking. Right. Yeah. And one of the other things you did there was you didn't go to where everybody went, which was the TV brief, which, right. which was the big shiny object. Um, and you sort of went over here and said, what can I do from a tool side and uh, a actual integration and, and engagement side? Because – that's the, when you say like our job is to connect with people, it's easier than ever to connect with individuals. Right. We saw it how in exciting the, is that? We saw it in the presidential campaign, how it can be used exactly. for, for, for that. But like you can figure out what like prejudices and, and thoughts and, and feelings each individual has and, and work with them to. Uh, and that's again, that's a really great kind of setup for why I also think this is such an exciting time. We have more responsibility than ever and more of a capability than ever to do the right thing, to use our powers for good, mm -hmm. to, to, um, to, to, you know, to stand up for the right things, to connect with people in the right ways, to fight prejudice and fight discrimination. And brands are more willing than now to do it than ever. Yeah. And whether that's a television spot or more times than not, socially led or right. digitally led. Yeah. That's that's a world that we didn't live in yeah. 10 years ago. And that's a, another really exciting way we can have impact beyond just trying to sell something to yeah. somebody. How do you not get sucked into – so you do that that thing uh, and it, it becomes a big hit, hit with uh, the McKinney Silver uh, art of the heist – that was your first sort of time when when you got that won some awards and got, yeah, got a that lot was of press like a, and that that was a that was my first kind of thing. How do you not get pulled into like oh he's the digital guy he's the he's the website guy he's the guy who's gonna like you know the 
the technology, like I think a lot of people think like, right. at least at that time, they thought like, oh, you're either digital or you're TV or you're, you Well, know. it, it, there were, I did, that kind of did happen. Okay. Because people were like, oh, you think that way. You're the digital person, as right. you said. Yeah. Again, that's why I think it's such an exciting time now. Yeah. We're, look, look at YNR and VML, right. the convergence of all of that. Like the days of saying you're digital, you're not digital are over. And whoever's yeah. saying that doesn't, yeah. is, is like locked in a, uh -huh. in a vault somewhere. Yeah. Um, the way you fight that for people who may be feeling like they're getting pigeonholed is by remembering what we're, our jobs are to do, and that's to connect with people and to go back to creating what fuels those things, which is a big idea, the idea, mm -hmm. the concept. Mm -hmm. And I find – so what – what, what, so um, you're a really good uh, interviewer because what – what what I'm realizing is, you know, what what happened is I distinguish myself from those who kind of set themselves up as digital, na native, right. cutting-edge people. They often were solving things just with the bright, shiny new object. Right. There was no concept. There was no story. There was no narrative behind it. Yeah. So they – they, Twitter. Let's use Twitter <laughs> yeah. instead of right. – which let's is a tweet during the Super Bowl and, you know, the lights go out and let's talk about it, you know, with the uh, Oreo. Exactly. Uh, so you know. what, you know, when I was in, went to Saatchi, I got an opportunity to work. So after McKinney, I went to Saatchi. Yeah. I got an opportunity to work with Jerry Graff. Yeah. Um, we got that same brief. We need to use Twitter for the Super Bowl. <laughs> Yeah, because Oreo had just done it and everybody wanted to do it, right? Is that was that I think the it was around the. It might have been a little bit before, or right okay. around that time. I mean, right. we were it was trying in the zeitgeist. I think it was in the zeitgeist, and it was this whole thing in everybody's book. And we got we broke through at the Super Bowl for one one hundredth of the yeah. cost of a regular television spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think is in my book. But <laughs> what we did is, I looked at the behaviors of people. I looked at what was happening on Twitter. Yeah, I looked at like. Twitter not as this thing, but as a how how NFL fans a use medium Twitter. by which to tell a story or to have an idea, and we gamified Twitter right for Wheaties. Yeah, um, and it was the the MVP or the most yeah, valuable most tweets. valuable tweeter. Yeah, and so that was kind of a very cool thing, and that's the that you know that was a thing Jerry kind of saw it, and it gave us. And know, Jerry famously is like, I don't get the internet. I, I just know how to do funny TV, right? And it's like, especially at that time, he was like, Well, Jerry, I have to I give think, Jerry credit. He definitely, he definitely understood where the power of it and where yeah. it was going and i felt very but he lucky. didn't want to lose that story no he knew you I, that, the most i learned about the... storytelling and yeah. big ideas i probably i learned a lot that year from him i mm -hmm. never saw anyone who could just take a brief and get to the core of it in yeah. such a fast way it was like a master class in concepting um he recognized where it was going and and probably some of the reason why you know he would defer to me on a lot of you know, a lot of digital, innovate, what we were calling innovation back then, yeah. kind of things. And so, um, again, though, you know, I was never the TV person. So I just didn't, I enjoyed doing, not that I, I think TV is amazing. In fact, at Huge, we recently made our first Super Bowl ad and yep. we made our first national television campaign. So right. I totally understand the power and the importance of television within. Video now. Video, film within not, a not larger, TV. within a larger context, but. Um, I just have always been 
the pull of new ways to connect with people to engage them to engage them feels has just always draws me um, it's fun because then the story becomes what they do with it. It's like you're creating a – instead of uh, – somebody said it was like uh, being a dungeon master uh, for right. Dungeons and Dragons. So instead of making a story like a like a choose-your-own-adventure that you're writing for people that they have to go through, you're just creating a world uh, with with modern with modern uh, uh, communications and, and – and advertising, you're creating a world around the brand that people can play in, like your 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 most valuable tweets. That was a sandbox kind right. of, you know, it had certain rules that you had to follow, but it's uh, it sort of leaves it open to people, and then you help them along, right? How do you how do you well, help see, them this, along? This is a really interesting point. How do you force I, the engagement? That's not, a really great kind of uh, question because there you can't fake it, right? You make something that doesn't connect with people, right. it's DOA. Yeah, yeah. And then, oh, by the way, you've got the data right there to prove it. Yeah. With television, how do you know if it connected? Right. Yeah. Maybe it got picked up by mainstream media. Right. Maybe you won a lion for it. Um, That's that pull, too. Right. That we can create things that – force us to be, uh, you know, in the service of the consumer and giving mm. them things they want to engage with. Because right. if they don't, it, you know, yeah, you know that it, it, it just doesn't take off and yeah. it doesn't work. And, um, you learn from those and, and, uh, and you move on. Did you, did you ever have one of those? What was, uh, I'm sure you have, uh, what were one of the things you learned from, a? From something where you're like, this is going to work, and then it. Um, we tend to forget those things. I have blocked like... all of the things <laughs> in my mind that I thought uh, weren't going to work. But it's part of the process, right? It's like um, because you can't be – you have to be iterative. You have to be able to fail. You have to be not afraid to make things that maybe don't work out the way you, you thought they would so the, in this the, business. That's true. I think that's also the reason I, I feel the pull towards this, you know, using technology, using tech, uh, digital. Um, well, you know, a piece of guidance for those who, are, who might be new in their careers, you read and hear about failure and the fact that failure is okay and everyone fails, and that is true. Mm-hmm. My advice is not to go fail – when you're sitting in the direct, you know, in the chair out at a million dollar shoot for a Super Bowl spot. Right. My advice is to go fail making a hundred thousand dollar cool idea you had for some social film or social experience. Right. Yeah. I mean, failure is it isn't just about failing. It's being smart enough and aware enough to know where that fi- where where you can fail. Mm-hmm. Um and so, uh, you know, I'm joking about not having any failures, but I've probably had more failures than successes. Mm-hmm. You know, Jordan says I miss more shots than I make. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's Jordan the other— says that about you? He did. He said yeah. that about me, actually. Yeah. That was I a thought quote. that was about yeah. you. Uh, <laughs> And—but I think focusing on those things that you're good at and people may 
not quite understand where they're going to go and leaning into your talents and then showing them where they could go. Mm-hmm. The surprise factor of that is, is don't underestimate the surprise factor of taking something that you could fail on. Yeah. And then making it a success. Yeah. You know, I think that's an entrepreneurial kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Again, I keep going back to that. I love, I'm drawn to challenges where, where, and I think going in somewhere and helping craft it, helping build it. Yeah. And because those are sometimes safe spaces to fail because there's maybe an expectation that it might not work. Right. Because it's so crazy and out there. And or, oh, we don't do that. Nobody's done it before. No one's done that. Or that's never worked here. Or we don't do that. Or no one's done that. So if you fail, you're kind of like – well, yeah. I always liked radio for that reason because like, right. you know, there's not a lot of money on it. You know, nobody it. wants to go to the radio record. It's just you and a producer and the engineer and some talent in the booth, and it's just you can just try lots That's of exactly stupid right. stuff. It's the same. Philosophy. What's the radio of today? It would be banners or or like uh, you know a landing page or uh, no? I think I the know. radio of today is content. It's right. social content. Just make it like Take a, a photo. like a Facebook post. Do, um, yeah, you know. How about some design? Take a photo. Let's make something fun in the studio. Yeah. Push it out there. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Cl- okay, move on. Yeah. You know, now again, I don't think you can let that like become the idea or overtake the messaging, but yeah. it's a tool in your arsenal. Yeah. Little bets. Right. Oh, that's catching heat. Let's build it into something more. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, picking up the camera. Everyone's got a camera in their pocket. Go yep. make some film. Yeah. Um, Go shoot some stuff. Go try some stuff. Mm-hmm. Put it online. If it doesn't get traction, pull it off. Mm-hmm. That's the other beaut- lovely, beautiful thing about the world we're living in today. Yeah. You know, you can make so much work. Yeah. Um, you can make – I mean, everyone should love the art of making. That's why we're doing this, I think. And and you don't have to wait around for that marquee moment. Right. You can be keeping the – you know, the – the saw sharp and and keep practicing and film stuff and and you know shoot stuff and I've never really thought of myself as a good photographer so I focus when I take Instagram shots to focus on shots that get a lot of likes or wow mm. that's a great shot yeah um, you know use it as a little like tool right. to get better at something yeah uh, and I think that's again another reason why I love the world we're living in and another way that young people who taken it by storm. Um, I think you can go too far with it. I don't think that you can build a brand off of a, you know, 15 pieces of random content pumped out in an afternoon. Yeah. Though you can learn a lot from that. And maybe there's a nugget in there that you shine up and does become the larger pillar for something, a piece of communication that builds on it. Yeah. Uh, what, what happened after Saatchi? Where'd you go after Saatchi? Was that co-collective? People are probably getting bored by by now, but uh, uh, I actually after Saatchi, um, I went to BBDO. Oh, right. So okay. unfortunately, it was a really good run at Saatchi. We had a lot of fun. I really enjoyed working with my partner there. And really, there was a lot of great talent there that are now like CCOs of places and the great shops. Yeah. I learned a lot there with all those really smart people. Um, and um, I went to uh, BBDO. Right. With your partner or with No, that? I went by myself. And, to work on whose group? Uh, I went to work in um, kind of Ronald Ong, Matthias Appelblad's group. With That was a time at BBDO when, when uh, Lou Bars was trying to 
push more innovation, push more digital thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a an interesting beat to be inside an organization that was classically known. I mean, sure, they did a lot of great HBO and a lot of great digital stuff. Um, learned a lot there. Learned that um, large organizations, you know, take some navigation. Yeah. And uh, – That was your first really big That was my agency. first really big. Saatchi was not big at all. Right. It yeah. didn't feel big at all. Right. You know, Kirshenbaum was small. Saatchi was small. Um, you know, BBDO was small. Was, or no, McKinney, McKinney was small. Yeah. Everything was small. And then I went into this humongous organization yeah. and I kind of just wasn't my vibe. And, right. and I bounced and went to um, uh, help, help uh, work with Ty Montague and Rose Ryan and Co. Collective. Uh-huh. So back a little bit more in my element. Let's try this. Let's try that. Again, yeah. Ty's a master storyteller and an innovative cat in his own right. Talk about Co. Collective and what, what their uh... – so co-collective, I think, was is a really brilliant idea about creating a new model. And I think Ty and Rose and Neil and the team there were ahead of the game and thinking about this consultative creative model mm-hmm. and really getting upstream on brands. And, and upstream co- meaning uh, you know early in the process, more where a consultancy might be, business strategy, yeah. pipelining, product development, not just waiting to the end to like wrap it up in a pretty bow with marketing. Yeah, and in total transparency, I I didn't totally grok what the power of that was when I first got there. Yeah, as I spent more time there, I realized this is the future. And of where agencies can go. Right. And it, again, I learned, you know, took a, you know, took a leap, went in, worked 24 seven. It was an incredible experience. Um, I think you, you did some work with them. I popped in there for, yeah. uh, and yeah, I think worked, it was there a year. Yeah. Worked, I mean, worked Six on, with, months at least. worked with some really smart people. Shackley. I remember Shackley, Shackley and USA Shakes, Today and USA Today. Google Plus and, yeah. and Google Bing, Business. I think. I didn't work on any Bing. The but Bing was before my time. Might not have been Bing. I don't know. Ty's going to be like, how dare you? Is he not texting you now? He might be texting me. So, so again, you know, l- I, the other thing I would say a little is always stay you, – you already know what you do well. You already know how to do a certain skill set. Mm-hmm. Reaching and trying to do something new and learning about something new will only develop you, will only make you better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even if you fail at it, even if it's not quite right, you're going to walk away with so many amazing – tools. And um, I walked away from Co. with a totally transformed understanding of the power of the consultative mindset of strategy, of brand strategy, and of how important it is to express your ideas through really logical, strategic thinking, which maybe I wasn't as strong as I went before. Mm. We used to pace the walls with decks of work. And I would walk through them with the team and walk through them and walk through them. And you've got the smartest people in the industry, some of the smartest people in industry, like sitting there grilling you. Yeah. 
you only get better. And yeah. I've used that. I mean, I can put a deck together in my sleep. I could present a, yeah. I could present creative to you in my sleep. I can yeah. defend any position, left, right, and center. And I don't know if I had those. That I was about the work before I walked in there. But it was hard, and I, I remember going there and freelancing and feeling like I don't know what I'm doing, which which was scary, but also kind of exciting. Like yes. I, I I know a part of what I'm doing. I know how to write. I know how to okay. Uh, an idea, a manifesto. I know how to do that, but to go into uh, Google or a or a USA Today and and be asking the questions we were and to be talking about the things we were, it felt like I. What am I doing talking about this stuff? But I think that humility and that sort of like I don't know what I'm doing actually makes it uh, exciting and yeah. How and much fun. did like you? I mean, I'm sure you learned a ton from that. Yeah. I just I, I learned that I can ask questions that I didn't think I could ask before right. that like I can be an expert on that that the things that a company does behind the scenes and the way that they pay their staff and the way that they take care of billing and the way that that those are all part of the brand, you know? And so if you are on one hand saying, you know, not, you know, putting crappy uh, ingredients in your food, you can't overhear say we're uh, only the best ingredients, right. you know, it's like, it's not, especially now, right. it's like, it's, you can't fake it. Right. I think that crew is ahead of its time. Um, and uh, it, that that's a really great way of putting it. You learn just the things that you never really knew about. And you also get it. You, I got that gig got me into the mindset of the client more than I maybe, maybe ever was. Yeah. And or, now, or like thought I wanted to. Or thought you wanted to be. Yeah. Like I could never, well, I don't want to. The uh, mind reading of the client. But yeah. now when you create work, you're like, you, you know what exactly the what need? the client's going to say. You, you know the questions they're going to ask now yeah. and you know how you're going to defend them. Yeah. And that was a really lovely experience. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I learned a ton, learned a ton at that. Um, what do you look for in uh, – so between that, you were at Anomaly for a while and you yep. worked on We've Google We've worked at a lot of places together. You brought, you brought me in to, to yeah. freelance with you on something that then fell apart and didn't happen, but they had already paid for my month. So they kept me on so for you Budweiser. Budweiser, and, you did a lot of stuff And then stuff I ended up that. doing really fun stuff on yeah. Budweiser. Uh, so thank you for bringing me in there. You're welcome. Finally. Um, it's only never would have, five years. They never would have – thank uh, you, finally. Really? Is no, that a joke. And uh, you are, who are you again? <laughs> um, the, uh, what do you look for now? You're at Huge. Uh, I always thought of it as a sort of a production company, right? Sort of a, a digital, like, uh, not a production company, but uh, they, they made things. They, right. they were, uh, they built, uh, they were yes. developers. They yeah, were, right. uh, they were more of the sort of maker side of things. Um, what, how, how different was it to get there? And then what do you look for? Cause I know we're, we're, we're getting to the end of our time together. Uh, what do you look for in a, in somebody coming over there as opposed to maybe somewhere else where you worked? Sure. Real quickly on huge, definitely a pedigree of products and websites and really innovative digital thinking. I think huge is a very unique place. What drew it to what, what, why I was drawn to it is it reminded me a lot of the interesting aspects of a lot of the other roles that I, jobs that I had mm -hmm. and kind of this one place where they all existed and what's coming next retail. What's the future of retail? Mm. What's it look like? Experiences. Um, huge design chops are like the best in the biz, I think. Uh, and what does it mean when you take and take 
beautiful design and pair it. And then one aspect of, of Huge I thought, and then again, I was drawn to that I thought I could help with is bringing my expertise in the intersection of technology and story and narrative. And what does it mean when you add, you make a beautiful product, a website or an actual product or an app, or mm-hmm. you build an experiential space, you, which is the way that we're communicating more and more with, with, with uh, consumers now. Mm-hmm. What happens when you layer on top of that some really, you know, some strategic storytelling, some strategic narrative, how powerful it gets? And then what happens when you are able to go to a client and say, we can build, we can use a brand strategy. Mm-hmm. Which is a little what I, I learned at Co. Right? Yeah, yeah. Blend it with some really beautiful brand, right? Which I've learned throughout my experience, mm-hmm. and web and product building, and really understanding what the brand's needs, mm-hmm. and then merging that with incredible marketing, which we call the unified brand experience. Mm. That we think is the future of the industry where a client has a challenge and we go in consultative relationship. We help identify that problem, build a product, build a brand. Maybe it's some, sometimes it's just a Super Bowl spot. Mm-hmm. We are able to do that now too. And, mm-hmm. but the, the real dream of ours is to do things, uh, where like we launched, uh, Zelle. If you've seen it, it's the purple. It's the uh, peer-to-peer payment app. You might have seen it in your bank, uh, mm-hmm. in your banking app. Yep. Uh, it's now the number one peer-to-peer payment app and banking. Oh, I thought it was called Zelly. You just taught me how Zell. to say Zell. Zell. Okay. Like gazelle, smooth. I uh, got it. Got fluid, it. Fluid. Got it. Graceful. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that's that's what I love to do. Go find a real business challenge. Add some smart thinking to it, build a brand from scratch, name it, design it, and then launch it to the world mm-hmm. uh, through, you know, television spots. I would, I think if you're looking for, I think at Huge, we're trying to think about what the future is and we're trying to prepare ourselves always for it. Mm-hmm. So I think I can answer a big, the, the final question here in this moment of what are we looking at for huge? And then also what should you be, what is the industry looking at? And I think it's about staying open, being hungry. It's about thinking about that one thing you do really well, but being open to others, um, learning and uh, taking on and understanding where technology, digital, where things are going. While you may not want to do it or you may not be fluent at it, don't dismiss it, understand it as a much larger piece of a large ecosystem, and always stay curious, hungry, and um, and humble. It's good, good advice. You had so many jewels, and you said you were going to have one or two. So many jewels. Thank you. means a lot coming. There's jewels all over the studio right now. We're going to have to clean it up. I appreciate that. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. So that was my conversation with Jason Musante. What a what a dude. Love that guy. Worked with him at Anomaly for a time. And uh, he's one of those people that uh, he's always got a smile on his face. So uh, it was it was a good good to talk to him. Thanks for coming in, Jason. I want to thank Matt Stillo, our engineer, and Casey Valigersky, our producer. And this has been the A-List brought to you by Ad House Advertising School. I'm Tom Chrisman. Thanks for listening. Please rate and subscribe us on the iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
And if you want to be interviewed for an upcoming episode, contact us through adhousenyc.com. Thanks for listening. And uh, see you next time, everybody. Bye.